Now, I started with some easy ones to see if you could guess. So the first one is hydrophobia. Anybody want to take a guess at that? Fear of water. Okay, claustrophobia? Enclosed spaces. How about demophobia? Fear of crowds, exactly. How about uh, musophobia? Musophobia. There's going to be one that I'm just not even going to attempt. I tried for all week. Fear of mice. Mm-hmm. How about uh, allurophobia? I know some of you have this. Fear of cats. I'm just saying. All right. Uh, balonophobia, and it is not baloney. Balonophobia. Fear of needles. Fear of needles. Um, all right, so you can put the next one up. Uh, Arachtributrolabia, phobia? Not spiders. Fear of peanut butter getting stuck on the roof of your mouth. This is actually, I checked. I verified it on the internet. It's got to be true. Um, Hypogenophobia. I know some of you have this too. Fear of responsibility. Men. All right. Um, necrophobia. No, not blood. No, not death. Fear of death. And, and lastly, panophobia. Fear of everything. Now, we, we, we might laugh, um, but these are actual fears that people have. And I imagine if we had never heard of the resurrection, we would be fearful. When the disciples were meeting that Easter night, it says they were afraid. Why? Because resurrection had never happened before. Sure, they'd watched Jesus like revive people from the dead, but he watched them have earthly bodies. They watched them have uh, an earthly life, and then usually, or not usually, then those people died. This idea that a dead body would come back to life and, and be able to walk through walls, which we will read in a few minutes, was something that never happened. This body that would have the wounds in his hands and the wound in his side and yet be able to appear through walls and eat food. This is something that has never been happened before, never in all of history. And so I imagine they would have been very afraid. And I think that some of us live as if either we don't understand the resurrection or we don't really believe the resurrection on our response to it. And so today I just really want to look at what difference does Easter make? What difference does the resurrection make this morning? We heard earlier from John chapter 20 that early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to visit the tomb. And, and when she got there, the stone was rolled away, and so she ran back and found the disciples. And Peter and John ran to the tomb, and as they were at the tomb, perplexed about what had happened, then they ended up leaving, and Mary Magdalene stays. She stays there, and she's weeping outside because she is afraid that someone took Jesus. Because resurrection had never happened before. Because dead people usually stay dead. 
She even confuses Jesus for the gardener. It says that Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over and she looked in the tomb, and she saw two angels seated where Jesus' body had been, one at his head and the other at his feet. And, and they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? And she turned and she said, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. She did not recognize him because dead people don't rise from the grave. And Jesus was dead. She had seen the sword go into his side. She had seen the wounds inflicted on that Friday. She had seen the nails pierce his hands. She had seen his last gasping breaths. And she had seen the dead body come off of the cross. She didn't recognize him. And he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She says, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Because that's what people do when someone dies. Now, I have three friends who have all lost people this week. One through sickness, one through um, someone else, uh, a drunk driving accident, and one through his own hands. And all these deaths are very different, but they all had the same things afterwards. They all had funerals. They all had songs. They all had scripture readings. They all had flowers and they all had remembrances. Because that's what you do when someone dies. That's what Mary wanted to do. She wanted to celebrate at this tomb. She wanted to decorate it with flowers. She wanted to dress up. Because that's what you do. You celebrate and mourn the life. Usually a life well lived. And that's what she was coming to do. When I when I really stopped to think about this passage and how it relates to us, I realized that, that some of us come to Easter that very same way. We may not truly think of that, but we dress up, we celebrate a life well-lived, we bring flowers, we sing songs, but we leave unchanged. We leave not having recognized the risen Jesus. So Jesus' question to Mary is very powerful. Who is it you're looking for? She's looking for a corpse. She's looking for a body that can be remembered. She has no idea of the risen Jesus. She can't understand it, and so she is afraid. Now, now the disciples, they didn't recognize the risen Jesus either. Where are they? I mean, we've got Judas who, who denied Jesus and then took his own life. We've got Peter who, uh, well, Judas betrayed Jesus. We've got Peter who denied Jesus, so I understand why they're not around. But what about the other ten? It says they're sitting behind a locked door, afraid of the Jewish leaders. Why? Because they thought it was over. Because death is the last triumph of the enemy. 
Religion wins again. Rome wins again. If that's hard to picture because we didn't grow up in a Roman Empire, I think Suzanne Collins has done a phenomenal job recreating what this might look like. If you've been enthralled with her books, The Hunger Games, she creates a world called Panem. And, and Panem is like, like the Roman Empire. And if you are a Jew or someone else who lives in the Roman Empire but outside of Rome, then it's kind of like you live in the districts. And the capital is Rome, and, and Caesar is President Snow. And every year, President Snow gets up and he reads this, this uh, letter before the Hunger Games. And he says, your rebellion years ago started this. And we will do this every year so that you know who's in charge. We will do this every year to remind the citizens that the capital is in control that any thought of rebellion would be crushed. That's what crucifixion was for Rome. Every time someone was crucified, every time they put up a cross, that's what they said. Rome is in charge, Caesar is Lord, and if you think that someone else will save you, we will hang them on two pieces of wood for the world to see, not just to be executed, but to be publicly shamed so that you know Rome's in charge. They got really good at it. Two men walking back from the events of Easter. Luke, the writer, tells us uh, on this road to Emmaus, they're walking down the road and they are perplexed and Jesus comes along, the risen Jesus, but they don't recognize him either. And they are walking with him and, and he asks about the events of the day. And he says, he says, Jesus was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. But the chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. Catch this. But we hoped that he was the one who is going to redeem Israel. What they're saying is, they crucified him, so he can't be the one to redeem Israel. Like, Rome wins again, religion wins again, death is the last weapon of the enemy, and so it's all over. And yet, these two men recognize the risen Jesus. And Mary recognizes the risen Jesus, because Jesus knows that death is the last weapon that the enemy can do. So what more can he do? The resurrection of Jesus is that that Jesus defeated death. The stone is rolled away for our benefit, not for his. And that, that once Jesus has defeated death, there aren't any more weapons that can be thrown at him. And so... The bodily resurrection of Jesus says that he's overcome death. Not just that he has overcome sin. Not just that he has overcome uh, Satan, although those are both true. Not that he has atoned for death. We celebrate that. But he has, he has reversed the grave. He has reversed death. And so we sing songs like, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, hell, Where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? My God is alive. He's alive. And that meant that Jesus is Lord. That also meant that Caesar is not Lord. 
Think about that now. That means that the, the things that, that you and I worship, the things that you and I strive for in this life, whether that's, whether that's money or stuff or power or ourselves or friendship or success or kids or whatever, it means that those things ultimately won't win. It means that those things are not part of this new life, this resurrection life. And that's what this idea of come awake, the resurrection changes everything. That's the idea of everything it changes, that Jesus gives us a new authority. He gives us a new day to worship. He gives us a new life. He gives us a new generosity. All the things that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. One of Jesus' followers put it really well when he said this in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, if Jesus Christ is not raised, then our faith is futile. doesn't matter. You are still in sin. But if Jesus was raised, then everything's changed. All of these people who recognized the risen Jesus, their lives were changed. We read about Mary Magdalene. And she went to the disciples with the news after Jesus reveals himself, not as the gardener, but as the resurrected Savior. She comes back, running back, and she says, I have seen the Lord I have recognized the risen Jesus. Everything was different for her. On that evening, later, when the disciples were together and the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. Maybe they didn't recognize him because really, truly recognizing the risen Jesus would cause them to freak out, would cause them to fall on their face, would cause them utter fear. So he hid himself for a time, but he stands among them. And when he stands among them, it says that the disciples were overjoyed. They weren't like, yeah, happy Easter. Their lives changed. Everything was different. Peter recognized the risen Jesus and his life changed. He went from being afraid of a little girl on Thursday night, Friday morning, before Jesus was executed, to like standing before the people that, exe- that had Jesus executed, proclaiming that he recognized the risen Jesus. Everything was different for Peter. Thomas, who came, who missed that evening, that first night where Jesus came to them, he said, I got to see the hand marks. I got to see the nail marks. Maybe you're a skeptic. Maybe you're like, I don't buy this. He came, the risen Jesus stood before him the next week and Peter, or Thomas fell to his knees. Everything changed. He said, my Lord and my God. The rest of the disciples, when they recognized the risen Jesus, everything changed. They went from being fearful to fear less. Every one of them except for one died a brutal death for their faith because they believed this risen Jesus changed everything. Saul, uh, this later guy that persecuted Christians. He meets Jesus on a road, the risen Jesus, Jesus in a cloud, Jesus who comes down and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He was blinded. He fell to the ground and everything changed when he recognized the risen Jesus. So I go back to the question that Jesus asked Mary. Who is it you're looking for? Because if we recognize the risen Jesus, everything can change. 
Everything can change in your life. When I recognized the risen Jesus, truly recognized who this risen Jesus was, that he wasn't just some savior that I could put on my bumper sticker. He wasn't some savior that I could just slap a Bible verse on my graduation announcements so that I could hopefully go to heaven when I die, but that he was the Lord of the universe and he wanted my whole life. I was in college, I fell to my knees and I I confessed what I had done and I started to turn my life over to him. So I can't say everything changed all at once but that's because I was selfish and I didn't give him everything all at once. But if I would have given him everything all at once, I truly believe that everything would have changed. I gave over little by little and little by little, everything started to change and it is still changing. And my life is far better than it is, than it would have been pursuing these things that Jesus died for anyway. Maybe you're here and, and you like being in charge. Like you don't really want things to change because this world is pretty nice. And I'm not going to tell you to change. I'm simply going to ask you the question, who is it you're looking for? Do you want a token savior? A necklace to put around your neck? A wishful prayer that maybe one day when you die, you'll get to be in heaven? Or do you want to recognize the risen Jesus in your life? The one who says, follow me. I'll take you where you're at, but I'll ask everything from you. That is the savior of the world that no religion can, can try and can replicate. It's a relationship with this risen savior that changes it all. So that's my question. Who is it you're looking for? Easter reminds us, and why we dress up and celebrate is it's not like a funeral, it's more like a wedding. It's the last time I got to wear this suit, was a wedding, where two people's lives came together and they will never be the same. That's what we celebrate at Easter. When we recognize the risen Jesus, our lives come together with his, and nothing will ever be the same. Jesus defeats death and sin and Satan. And why would we want to go back? If we are truly happy in a relationship, why would we dismiss it? I don't think we would. John 20, verses 29 through 31 say, Blessed are those who have not seen him and yet believe. I would say that like, Blessed are those that recognize the risen Jesus, even if they haven't physically seen him. The writer John says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these things are said, these things are written, so that you and I will know that Jesus is the Son of God. And that by believing in him, we will have life, full life, everlasting life, resurrection life, life that changes from this moment and continues forever in his name. Do you want to recognize the risen Jesus? Who is it you're looking for? If you want 
as a symbol that this isn't just something we do every year of a ritual or of a religion, but this is a day that we mark that our lives have been forever changed. We have these rocks up in the front here, and we would encourage you to take one as a symbol that, that our life is not just marked by a crucifixion, by death, but that our li- life is marked by a rock, by a symbol of this rolling away, of this new life, of this resurrection life. So if that's what you want as we sing our last songs, I invite you to come up and take one of those rocks as a symbol that your life will be forever different today. So may you never live in fear of death. May you recognize the risen Jesus in your life and may you be forever changed. Would you pray with me? God, as the worship team comes back up and as we reflect on on this question, who is it you are looking for? God, we can't really get back into Mary's head, uh, but we can start to think about what she might have been thinking. Did she really just want a corpse that she could put flowers around a a tombstone every year? Or did she want a risen Savior where her life would never be the same? She didn't understand this resurrection, God, but we have your word and we have years of history, years of of scholars trying to disprove this one thing because they know if if the resurrection doesn't matter, if it's not true, if it can be disproved, then, then this faith doesn't matter. But after hundreds of thousands of years of scrutiny, God, it still stands, even by people who don't believe that the resurrection happened. I pray, God, that we would recognize the risen Savior in our life. I pray that we would we would take a rock not as a, as a thing to do, but as a symbol that we're asking you, God, to be the Savior in our life, to be Lord of our lives, and to change us from the inside out by your power and your spirit, not by anything that we might try to contrive or do. In Jesus' name, amen.